everybody. Thanks, Doc. In the 80s, God called me to Amsterdam. That's where I met my wife, Jody, and my two sons were born just on the edge of the red light district. And we really had a burden to reach the young people in Amsterdam who had a negative idea about God, which was pretty much everyone in the city. And so out of this burden, Jody and I and a, a small group of us would go out into the forest at night outside of Amsterdam, and we'd have these all-night prayer meetings, and we'd say, God, help us. How are we going to reach these young people who have been so hurt by this wrong idea that they have about you? So we started a, a Bible study on this old boat behind the central train station. At the same time, I felt like I was supposed to start a band as a way of going to their clubs and communicating in their language who Jesus really is. And that's how the whole ministry started. So there's the need to raise up the next generation of radical, dynamic, creative missionaries who are boldly going and communicating the truth of Jesus outside the church. And, and so um, it was at that point that we started the Steiger Mission School and started to raise up new people and develop the structure to support this true worldwide mission organization, which is all focused on reaching what we call the global youth culture. And these are young people all over the world from the Middle East, Europe, South America, and here right in the U.S., who are influenced by this worldview that, that tells them that there is no God, that they are in control, that they get to decide what's right and wrong, and they're far away from God. The reality is the vast majority of young people, especially today, have more of an apathetic or cynical or even anti-Christian perspective. And so the way in which you engage them, the assumptions that they have about the world and about life is so different. And so, so we need to reflect that when we're engaging them. So Steiger, our whole purpose is to reach those people by going where they are, understanding how they see the world and communicating the message of Jesus, the message of the cross in a language that they can understand and also equipping the local church to do the same. Well, it's been a great, great privilege for me to be in this beautiful church. I'm really grateful for the opportunity. And uh, for those that weren't here this morning, just a quick, well, that was the introduction. So I don't need to say anything more, right? Except that I do have a few books here. This one explains how the ministry started. It talks about like this one time when we were actually inviting people to our, to our boat, you know, which was the church. And we were attacked by these anarchists. And uh, while uh, this one guy took a beer bottle and he smashed it over the drums, and when he did that, he cut his hand, and he, hold the, he held the broken uh, bottle up to my face, and another one spit in my face, and it drew a huge crowd of people. A couple policemen came and told us to drive away. I couldn't drive away because they had slashed the tires of our vehicle. Um, well, I could, but I drove about one kilometer an hour, and as I was driving, people were laughing at us and mocking us. If you want to know more, you got to get the book. <laughs> but it's not, I mean, if you want to leave a donation for the book, you can. But if you don't have any money, you can take one. And uh, so take a book. I don't want it, you know, if you want to know more. But if you do take a book, please read it. And uh, I have another one here, Revolutionary, 10 Principles That Will Empower Christian Artists to Change the World. But it's not just for Christian artists. It's for people who want to be a radical follower of Jesus, want to see his his power in your life. And so we talk about uh, things like uh, the problem with most musicians is they spend too much time practicing. And so we challenge them, for every hour you spend practicing your guitar, that you spend another hour seeking God. 
Can you imagine what would happen then? And we talk about things like lifting up the cross, not the cliche of the cross, but, it, but in a way that secular people understand it. Because Paul said in 1 Corinthians 2, 1 through 5, that he preached Christ and him crucified so that people would not be convinced by human wisdom, but by God's power. And so we, we teach artists how to bring the cross out into the secular place. Because I don't know about you, I don't want to just see Jesus in the church. I want to see him out in the street. And so this is a real passion of ours. And so I would get this book. You, you'll, I mean, there's all kinds of crazy stories in here. And I didn't make them all up. Some are actually true. <laughs> and we also are having a Steiger training day in Taronga. And it's on March, or, yeah, or, yeah, March 16th. Is that correct? Yeah, March 16th and 17th. I'll be teaching there. My wife, Jody, will be there. And others from our team here in New Zealand. So please come. You check that out in the back. So I want to pray, okay? Lord, I'm so grateful that I can be here. I'm so grateful that I can know you. I don't deserve anything, Lord. I'm just humbled that I can be in this beautiful church. And Lord, give me the, give me the ability to, to preach another message. Yeah. Amen. Amen. So Jesus heard that John the Baptist was killed. And he, so he wanted to be alone. He knew that that John was going to die, but he, he cared about him. And so he wanted to be alone. But instead of being alone, there were thousands of people there. So all day long, he and his followers were ministering to the people. In fact, they were so busy, they didn't even have time to eat. And so it's at the end of the day. And his followers went up to him and said, Jesus, it's late. People haven't eaten the entire day. Send them to a nearby village where they can buy some food so they can eat. Now, I think that they did that because they were hungry. You know, I think they were all day, like, they're with Jesus. They don't even have time to eat or drink. And they're like, we have to get Jesus to send these people away so we can eat. But then Jesus says, you feed them. And they're like, but Jesus, we only have five loaves and two fish. And Jesus says, give it to me. And they're like, well, I guess no one's going to eat. You know? So they take they, their little, you know, their five loaves and their two fish. They were looking forward to eating. And they give that to Jesus. Jesus starts to tear it, starts to break it. It starts multiplying. And pretty soon there is so much food, you know, that they can't eat all of it. And, but, the, but his followers, they're exhausted. They're really, really exhausted. So Jesus said, listen, get in a boat and go on the other side of the lake. I will send the people away and I will meet you on the other side. So the disciples got out in the boat. It was about four o'clock in the morning and there was a big storm. And so they're out in the boat. It's four o'clock in the morning and all of a sudden, they saw a ghost walking to them on the water. And when they saw this ghost, it says they were terrified. In fact, I don't, they actually were so afraid, they, were, they were screaming. Now, when I first read this, I thought, this doesn't make sense to me. I mean, these were tough men. You know, these were fishermen. They were not, these were not soft men they they'd been out at night in a boat before they've been in storms before i don't know if they saw a ghost before but 
These were tough men. Why did they react like this? Well, I think the reason they did is because they were spiritually, physically, and emotionally exhausted. And so when they saw this ghost, they were terrified. And I know how they felt. Because I was on tour with my band in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And Sao Paulo is a crazy city of 20 million people, a very dangerous city. And uh, we were on tour there. And someone in my band was on the street and they were saying, so where are you going to be playing with your band? And he said, Madam Satan. And he said, where? And he said, Madam Satan. And he said, you don't want to go there. And he said, why? He said, if you go there, they're going to kill you. And so this guy in my band, he comes and tells me this just before I'm going to go to sleep. And so I'm like, I'm really stressed out. I'm exhausted. I've been, I have terrible jet lag, you know, and I'm, I'm actually, I don't know why I was doing this, but I was actually flossing my teeth. And I was, I was looking at myself in the mirror, and I was so uptight that I did it so hard that I cut my lip because I was so tense. You know, I actually cut my, pulled so hard I cut my lip. So I thought, I, gotta, I have to do something to calm down. So I thought, maybe if I take a shower, it'll help me to relax. So I got in the shower, and I turned on the hot water. And the next thing I knew, I was literally leaning against the wall of the shower, crying like a baby. And I was going, God, I can't do this. This is too hard for me. I was thinking about my, my wife and my kids, and I was thinking about my band, and I'm like, God, I can't do this. I had no faith. I couldn't, I couldn't even really pray. All I, all I did is I laid on my bed, and I said, God, please help me. Because I was emotionally, physically, and spiritually exhausted. Then the ghost spoke. Don't be afraid. It's me, Jesus. Come on, Jesus. It's four o'clock in the morning. I'm out in a storm on a boat. I see this ghost walking on the water. Of course I'm going to be afraid. But I think what Jesus was saying this, was saying was this. Why are you surprised that I walk on water? What did I just do? You were with thousands of people. And all you had was five loaves and a couple of fish. And you gave it to me. And I broke it and multiplied it. Why are you surprised that I walk on water? Yeah. When are you going to believe in me? Yeah. When are you going to know who I am? Peter wasn't convinced. He wasn't sure if that was a ghost or if it was Jesus. So he said to the ghost, if that's really you, Jesus, tell me to get out of the boat and walk to you on the water. What Peter was saying to Jesus was this, demonstrate your power in my life. I don't want to stay in a boat. Everybody goes around in a boat. The boat is too conventional. The boat is too boring. 
In Ephesians 1.18, it says the same power that raised Jesus from the dead is available to everyone who believes. But I go around. But I go around in a boat. I don't want to be in a boat. I want to see your power in my life. So Jesus looked at Peter and said, okay, Peter, come on. Get out of the boat. Yeah. This was not the first time that we played at Madam Satan. The first time that we played there, the guy who organized for us to play refused to go in. I was speaking somewhere, so I got to the venue late. We drive to this crazy neighborhood in Sao Paulo, and we get to the door, and he said, I don't want to die. He, said, I don't, he says, I don't know what you're into, but I don't want to die. I'm not going in there. And I said, what do you mean? And he goes, my band was already in there. And I thought, well, if I, I can't let my band die without me. So I go into this club. They had a table where they were selling books on torture. In a book that, uh, by a guy called Alistair McCrawley, who calls himself the Antichrist. Wow. They had a curtain you could go behind if you wanted to have sex. But people weren't just going behind the curtain. We were playing in this dark cellar where all the walls were painted black. And you could taste the evil in this club. And like I said to you, in our concert, it's not, we don't just do music, but we do a demonstration on stage of the crucifixion and resurrection of Jesus in a modern way. And so I'm representing Jesus in the concert. And my, my throat is slit with a knife and I'm put in a coffin to show how Jesus died. And so I'm put in this coffin. And when I was in the coffin... It was like all the demons started coming out of people. People started screaming and blaspheming and swearing. I thought maybe someone would, they might rush us and attack us. I was laying in there and I was thinking to myself, this must be what hell is like. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, I mean, it was okay. I mean, we had a few okay conversations. But to be honest with you, I was just happy to have survived the, the whole thing, you know. And I'm back, actually I was back here in New Zealand. And I got a, a call from our promoter in Brazil and he said, I have good news for you. And I said, really, what's that? And he said, Madam Satan wants you to come back. <laughs> and... And I'm like, no. We don't need to tempt God. You know, I was willing to, Jesus wanted to know if we'd be willing to not back down, if we'd be willing to go all the way for him. We didn't back down, but I'm not going back there, and I'm not going to send my band back there. So I told him no. And I was, I was, uh, I was down on the Capiti Coast. You know, I don't know if you know where that is, but I had this conversation, and so I, I got off, offline, you know, and I went for a walk on the beach there. And I started feeling a little bit like Peter. 
And I started praying and I started saying to God, started saying to Jesus, Jesus, are you strong or not? I stand up in churches and say that you are powerful. Well, are you powerful or not? I don't want to read about your power. I don't want to hear other people tell stories about your power. I want to see your power in my life. If you're not powerful, why should I follow you? I don't want to live in this fake reality. I want to know your reality. I want to know your power in my life. I mean, are you not strong enough to move in this stupid little club? Think of the glory you'll receive if you can move in a club like this. And I felt like Jesus looked at me just like he looked at Peter. And I felt like he looked at me and said, okay, David, come on. Get out of the boat. So we went back. And my experience is that when you go to places like this, the second time, it's worse, usually. We go in, the atmosphere was just like before. And there's things going on I, won't, I don't want to tell you about because I don't want to put bad images in your mind. We're playing in this really dark cellar. Again, we're showing how Jesus died a modern-day crucifixion. Again, I'm representing Jesus on the stage. Again, I'm killed and I'm put into a coffin to show how Jesus died. And I'm in the coffin. And in this time... Instead of people screaming and swearing and blaspheming, all I could hear was people crying. Wow. I'm, laying in the, I'm laying there, and I just heard weeping. And, and people were talking to each other, and they were saying, there's a different, there's a different spirit here tonight, and it's It's love. And when I came out of the coffin to show how Jesus rose from the dead, it was, this is how it felt to me. It felt like the Holy Spirit was raining in the club. It felt like rain was coming down. I felt it washing over my face. I felt it just raining. It was like rain. I could see it. It wasn't just a, I didn't just feel it. I could see it. And I said to them, you know what I'm saying to you is true because you can feel God's power and no one could argue with me. People rushed us for Bibles. Wow. We ran out of Bibles in Madam Satan. Wow. The club owner, awesome. the club owner came up to me. The club owner came up to me with his girlfriend, and he was shaking. And I took his hand. And I said, God loves you. And he said, he does? I said, yes, God loves you. And I was able to pray with the club owner for Madam Satan. Wow. And a pastor that we work with in Sao Paulo said that he felt the Holy Spirit stronger in Madam Satan than he's felt him in any church. So then... We thought we need to have some follow-up meetings because we were playing in all these gothic clubs. And they, they, we thought, well, they won't come to a church. So we, we ran into a, a guy who ran a, a male strip club. 
he, was his, he called himself boy and he had army fatigues. He wore army fatigues, a very scary individual. And he said, you, hey, you can use my club if they want to know more about God. So we thought, well, that's a neutral venue. <laughs> so then we had this, there was this runway where the strippers would normally go. But instead of the strippers, my band is there playing worship music. And all these people from the clubs are there, from everywhere, from all these clubs. So my band's playing worship music. Now there's a guy down in his office, down below, where we were playing. And it was his job to organize strippers. And he said, I was on the phone, and I heard your music. And a power came into my office, and the mirror on the wall exploded. And he said, you have to see it. You have to come. You have to see it. So I went down into the office, broken glass everywhere. It looked like a bomb had gone off in the office. And he said, it's not just the glass that is breaking, but something is breaking inside of me. Wow. And this tough man wept like a baby because he felt the power of Jesus. And the whole Gothic underground in Brazil was shaken because there is no one more powerful than Jesus. I'm telling you, we need to get out of the boat. We need to get out of the boat. You see, when you're in the boat, it's like this. When you're in the boat, it's like this. Okay, I have all, it's all about me because my faith is very reasonable. It's very human. And so then it's about my gifts and abilities. So I have to learn. It's very important. I study all about my gifts and abilities because it's about me. It's a human faith so that things can work. And then I have to look at my resources because I have five loaves and I have two fish. So I have to leverage my five loaves and my two fish with my gifts and abilities and come up with a strategic plan to do the ministry. That's what it's like to be a boat Christian. But... If you are willing to get out of the boat and walk on the water, you realize that it has absolutely nothing to do with you. If God takes his hand off of you for a second, you're dead. You're not so naive. You're not so arrogant to think that your gifts or abilities are going to make any difference. You're not so out of touch with reality to think that you can come up with any kind of strategic plan, that you have any re enough resources to make any difference at all in the world. I mean, you barely have enough, I barely have enough food to feed my own family. But I know this too. I know this is also true. If I'm willing, if I'm willing to give what I have, even though it's not enough, if I'm willing to give it all to Jesus, he can take it, he can multiply it, and he can use my life to feed the multitudes. And that is exactly what God wants to do with every man and woman here tonight. You know, some people think, God has called me to the boat. I'm a boat Christian. And it's, you know, isn't it, isn't it amazing how God calls some people to not be in the boat? But he's called me to be in the boat. 
And I would, I would challenge that and say, no, it's not true. If there was ever a time when we needed to get out of the boat, it's today. I mean, the devastation that's all around us, the brokenness. I mean, I don't, it's, it's unbelievable. And we, we, can't, we can't keep going like this. We can't keep going like this. And we got to quit thinking about what we have. It's nothing to do with what we have. It's who, it's who Jesus is. He can do anything. Nothing's impossible for him. You know, I was thinking about when, I got to tell you how I first started, we're working in a lot of different countries, but Brazil, I'm like, I started getting this thing in my head. God, I want to do something in Brazil. I don't know why. I don't have the time. We don't have any, the money, nothing. Just was praying about it. I go back and check my email. There's an email from a guy named Sandro Baggio from Brazil, and he said, I heard you're coming to Brazil. I said, yes, I am. He said, can I set a tour up for you there? Now we have full-time ministries going on all over Brazil. I'm on a plane going somewhere, and I saw this documentary about uh, when the Rolling Stones went to Cuba last year. They're playing in Havana. Hundreds of thousands of people were there. The Rolling Stones are playing there. People are crying because of someone like, like that would, could come to Cuba. I'm on the plane watching that, and I thought, God, I want to go to Cuba. I want to tell, I want to, come on, the stones can go there. I can go there. It's crazy. I tell my sons, we're going to, I want us to go to, we're going to go to Cuba. And they're going, dad, come on, you're crazy. This ain't going to happen. Well, guess where I was a few months ago? I was in Havana. And we had hundreds of, of people there, artists all over Cuba that came. And now we're going back in September and we're planning more things there. And I believe we're going to be doing a big national tour all over Cuba. And I think it's going to change that whole country. I'm telling you, we need to get out of the boat. We need to quit thinking in a human way. We need to understand who we represent. And I think some of us need, out of, need to get out of that boat tonight. So, with the, you know, I, I think it's always good to respond physically because it, it cements it in our hearts and it, it also challenges our pride. But if you feel like you need to get out of that boat, then I, I, I want you to come up here and kneel with me and say, Jesus, I don't want to be in the boat. I want to walk on water. I don't know how, but I, that's what I want, Lord. So if that's you, this message was for you, come to the front now and kneel with me. And if you can't kneel, you can come up here and stand. But just respond if God is challenging you tonight. It's important that you respond. For God, nothing is impossible. I was meditating on that the other day. For God, nothing is... For God, nothing is impossible. Man, I want to get that, Lord. I'm sorry that I limit you and I look at myself. I'm sorry. 
Lord, I pray that you would help us to get out of that boat, Lord. We need to see your power, Lord. New Zealand needs to see your reality. They don't just need more, more religious sermons, Lord. They need your power, Lord. They need to see your, your truth. This country deserves to hear about you. There's so many young people that think you're just some stupid dead tradition. So, Lord, help us. Help me to understand what it means. To would not be surprised that you walk, that you're, you're not go, not be surprised that you could be walking on the water. You know, yes, Lord, nothing's impossible for you. You can even use someone like me. You can use all of us. You, you, you use unschooled and ordinary people to change the world. So we qualify. You use people who have weak knees, trembling voices, and don't know what to say to change the world. So we qualify. So, Lord, use us. Stir us up. Make us angry about all the injustice. Don't let us put up with it, Lord. And then have your way. And I pray for new radical faith to rise up in this congregation. Lord, we need new radical faith. So I pray for new radical faith to rise up in this congregation. Because it's your desire, Lord. You said that as your followers, we would do even greater things than you did to bring glory to the Father. Well, Lord, we, we need it to happen. This is the time. So hear our, our cry, Lord. Bless all these beautiful people. And I know that you'll show them what you want them to do. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Just quickly, I, can I just say quickly, every breakthrough I've ever had is when I've sought God in a new way. You know what I mean? Like, seek him in a new way. So, so um, I would, like with my sons, we would go out when, when they were going to college here in New Zealand. We would go out into the bush, and we'd make these fires, and we'd pray all night. You know, God, we want to see you move. And they'd talk about their friends in college that they wanted to see come to Jesus. And we'd pray for each other. And then pretty soon... Uh, there, more of their friends wanted to come. And then pretty soon their non-Christian friends wanted to come to the all-night prayer meetings. And we'd say, well, it's probably better if you become a Christian first and then come. And then they'd be coming. And then someone would go, I think God wants us to get this big marquee. You know, so, so God, God, give us this big marquee. You know, so we got this big circus tent. Someone gave us this big circus tent. And then we were going, God... I think we're, we should pray for a big stage for our circus tent. So we're going, God, give us a big stage. And then my son started a band called Boy Chicken. And then we had these meetings, the Great Munter Gathering. And we had like 500 of their friends coming to the Great Munter Gatherings. All their friends were coming to Jesus. We didn't have any of that stuff. But we started to seek God. We started to believe. What would he do? What would he do if we start to pray like this? You know, what would happen? What kind of things would be unleashed in us? You know, and it's like you, these lies that are in your head telling you, oh, I can't do that, I can't do that. that. That is not right because God doesn't need, all he needs is five loaves and two fish. Right? Right? So quit believing these lies about yourself. God can do anything and he loves to use people like us. 
He loves to use people like us to be able to go, man, David could never have done that. It must be God. Right? So dare to dream big. This isn't just about, you know, I'm not, it's not like name it, claim it stuff, but it's about Jesus. I want your heart and I want to believe in who you are. And I want your name to be glorified. So start to seek God in a new way, and it will revolutionize your life. It will totally revolutionize your life. God bless you guys.